For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. Our guest today knows all about being heroes and villains. He's worked for almost That's every it. major company in wrestling history. The AWA, WCCW, WWE, WCW, freaking the list goes on and on. Please welcome wrestling legend and friend of mine, Wild Bill Irwin. How are you doing, buddy? All good, good. How about yourself? I yeah, am a legend. I, I'm you a legend are. in my you, own mind. I'm well, a legend I mean, in my own mind. You've got a legends contract with WWE, do you not? Yeah. Well, yeah, there you I go. Do. You're a legend. I do. I was going to find the doll. The doll? I know. I got. <laughs> oh, the, uh, have you seen the goon goon character? I have. I have. I saw the, the action figure they came out with, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or the doll. You like to call it the dolls? From... Uh, well, they're just dolls. That's what they were <laughs> when I was a kid. You want to call them action figures or whatever, just so that they're not a doll, like girls play with dolls. I, you know, fine, but. But it doesn't matter because anybody can play with a doll? Yeah, and action figures. I, I don't know. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> you know. So here's the first one. This, this one, this one was, uh, oh, I don't know. Those watching, 85. he's showing the AWA. For those that are listening to the podcast, he's showing the AWA action figure. Uh, this one's back in like '85. So I don't know. Back in back when I was, I looked good. Look how good I look. <laughs> That's I look like that back then. I got a question for you. So that was you were that was from the tag team when you were with your brother, right? Yeah, it was Scott. Yeah. When uh, yeah. did he get you into the business, or did you? Were you, were you yeah, guys getting yeah. at the same time? Would, How did I, that happen? I would I would blame him, yeah. <laughs> What's the story? Well, yeah. well the story, the story I, I I could keep it going all night, but the short and long of it is Scott went down to the University of Minnesota to play football. Uh that didn't he did play for two years. He started as a freshman. We go anyway, long story short, he ended up coming out of there and not necessarily that happy with football. And uh, Jim Brunzel, who was there, and other people that were around, you know, said, well, you know, maybe you'd be, you want to be a wrestler. Go talk to Vern Gagne. You know, he runs a wrestling school every once in a while. And, you know, it's just an athletic thing. Go, go, you know, okay. So long story short, he went there. And since Vern is an M man, you know, University of Minnesota athlete from the past, M man. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, and Scott went to the camp, you know, at like a, a school, yeah, basically. Yeah. And he, he went through the school, him and uh, Buck Zumhoff. You know, everybody knows in Minnesota knows who Buck Zumhoff yeah, is. Yeah. And, if they, and if they don't, then they're the lucky ones. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
on uh, Ricky Steamboat. And uh, then there was two or two other guys that went through. And Cosgrove Aceres, the Iron Sheik, was the guy that ran the school. Oh, okay. And so Scott went through that. And, of course, in those days and even to these days, the schools are there to take your money and run you off. Yeah. If they can't run you off, you know, by beating you up and working your ass to death, then they'll smarten you up and bring you into the business, you know? Right. And, uh, and that was the way it was back then. And Cosgrove being, he was a physical specimen at the time, you know, yeah. he was an Olympic, uh, Olympic shooter wrestler for the Shah of Iran and was a, uh, a body protector, a bodyguard for him. Anyway, again, I get going. Yeah, that's uh, fine. That's Scott fine. went, we got Scott time. went through the camp and, uh, got into wrestling and then, when uh, I was going to you know, uh, to Scholastica here in Duluth, playing hockey, that's how the goon gimmick came around. But anyway, playing hockey, and that ended for me. And talking to Scott, he says, "Well, get out of Duluth." You know, Scott was always one that wanted to, you know, he wanted to be a big fish in a big pond. You know, not a big fish in a little pond. Right. So he said, well, get out of there. Yeah, no, come down. He was in Charlotte at the time. He says, come to Charlotte, you know, visit. I don't know. Just get out of there. Okay. So ended up going to Charlotte. I what in June, June or July of 77, I think it was. And uh, went down there and, you know, right away you start first. I think it was the first day that I got there. Of course, you know, he's going to the gym. And where do we go? We go to Ric Flair's house and start doing free squats. You remember squats? I do. I do. You, you remember squats? I, I still do, do them once in a while because people are like, do some do some squats. I'm like, okay, I haven't done them in years, but I'm still going to school you. <laughs> yeah. And so we went there and trained. And that day I was throwing up and shitting in his bathroom, Ric Flair's bathroom at the same time. But that was, you know, the heat down there, the, the humidity right. for me was kicking my ass the first couple of days. But, you know, I finally got on through it. And then pretty soon I'm driving Ric Flair, Blackjack Mulligan, Crusher Blackwell, uh, all of these people, you know, driving driving them in their cars to the matches and along with my brother i would drive him and yeah you know, so did you uh, did you have it. to deal as much with the with the whole them trying to drive you off since your brother was already in no not as much larry sharp i don't know larry sharp i don't know anybody that would know him but his father was a promoter out on the East Coast, and he was a good friend of Scott's down in Charlotte, and he was just happened to be in there. And so Larry Sharp, we would on Saturdays, uh, the that's when they ran Charlotte, and they ran it in like a, a armory. And so they set the ring up at noon or whatever, and so it's up all afternoon. So we'd go down there and get in the ring. And this was before I really figured it out that, uh, you know, hey, wait a minute. Um, get in there and we just, you know, bounce around a little bit. And Larry Sharp, you know, one day tried to like squeeze me or, you know, make me squeal or something. But he, he you know, it didn't work because I was, I was way too limber. I just kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kind of, it didn't matter. And, uh, and then, you know, and then eventually, 
because I was around it so much. One day we're 300 miles that way. And the next day we're 300 miles that way. And I saw the same match all the same two guys in two days in a row. And I went, mm-hmm. Okay. I think I got this now, you know? And, uh, and then I said, I was talking to, I said something to Scott and he goes, huh? All right. You're finally smartening up, you know? Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't just come out and tell me. Yeah. Not until I could start to see it. And like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then, then they, then they smart. And then we did, you know, a little bit of just uh, learning the stuff, you know? Yeah. And then basically who was it? George, 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 George. I don't know. He was the booker out there at the time. Okay. Scott got him to get, I got one match against professor Malenko. Who's okay. uh the Malenko boys that are played work for New York? Okay. Their father. Oh, anyway, okay. I had I had a match with him. One match. It was my first match. It was like on September 16th of the I would I think I turned 21 or 22 the next day, because the 17th is my birthday. Okay. Yeah. And so I go out to the ring and he <sighs> I was scared just walking to the ring, you know, and uh, he turned me around, twisted me in knots and, you know, he was easy. He didn't hurt me. And then he let me, he let me go. And I went back to the, I went walking into the dressing room, you know, like, oh, you know, and there's, uh, why can't I think of his name? The Claw. Oh, from uh, Minnesota. Baron Baron Von Raschke. Baron Von Raschke's sitting there. And he looks at me and he goes, so you want to be a wrestler, huh, kid? <laughs> Every time I see him now, I say that to him. And, uh, yeah, we just laugh. We just, we just laugh. You know, from there on, it's just, it just went on from there. I don't think I got too many more matches there. And that was, you know, like I said, it was, I went down there in June or July. We came home that Christmas. We came home. And when I went back, they sent me to Atlanta. Okay. And I went down to Atlanta and uh, I got in at the wrestler's roost down there. Wow. See, I've been hit too many times in the head with chairs. I can't. Hey, I you're, know who you're I'm doing talking better than, about. than most of the interviews with guys uh, from your era. Trying to come up come up with a name. <laughs> oh, Bear, uh, Jock Rousseau. Oh, Jock Rousseau? Uh, no, 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 now that that he's out of Montreal. This guy was from he went as a uh he was like Francie, but I, I'll think of his name. It'll come to me in a minute. He was leaving out of Atlanta and I was going to Atlanta. So they set up that when I went down there, I just took over his apartment. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. You know, and the apartment was really a a studio, one bedroom, you know, kitchenette, one big room, kitchenette, living room, and then a, a bathroom and a bedroom. That's okay. it. And it was 50 bucks a week. And so you just, you just went down and paid the lady, you know, and it was called the wrestler's roost because all the wrestlers stayed there and she was obviously smart to the business. And, you know, nobody ever came there and messed with anybody. But you know, you just went down there and paid her, and on we on you went. So I went in there, 
and that's where I ran into Tommy Rich and Rick Martell and uh, God, I don't know who else, you know, uh, the Russians. At what point did you start taking up with your brother then? And how did that come up? Oh, that was that was five or six years in. That was okay. That was way on in there. Did you guys well, still came... travel in between those? But you know, between that time, did you guys just do stuff separately? And you guys were like in different territories, or were you guys like yeah, always yeah. in the same territory at the same time? No. Okay. No, until until we got together and started doing the tag team. And I'm not sure if it was in Texas that we started it or if we started in uh, Atlanta. We were the tag team champs out of Atlanta. I think what we did was um, I left it. I left. I think I was in Texas. I went into Texas in 80. And then I think Scott came in and we went under as the super destroyers right. with uh, Akbar, and then had some matches where we were the tag team champs or whatever. We won the belts, but lost our hoods, you know, against Buck Rock and Roll Zumhoff and uh, Iceman King Parsons. But so they 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 tore our hoods off, but we had the belts, and so we just came back out. Next time we came out, we were the long riders. You know, that's right. We don't care. And we did the yeah. long rider gimmick, you know. Who came up with that idea for that gimmick? Was that you I or Scott know. or the Bookers? or? I don't know who might have come up with it, the long riders. I think it might have come out of Montreal. Okay. Because we, Scott and I went up there, and we both had motorcycles. And, uh, you know we would ride them to the shows in Montreal and we did it everywhere after a while, but you know, we were up in Montreal in the summer and it was nice. And so we could run the, ride the bikes, you know, if it was 150 miles or less, we'd ride the bikes to the show and back. So what you're saying is take or stole your gimmick. <laughs> yeah. I, well, <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, he wasn't the first person that ever rode a motorcycle in. No. I've got I'm I rode the uh Scott and I rode our motorcycles into the Humphrey Dome down there. You remember the bubble in yeah. downtown Minneapolis? Yeah. Before it came down. Well, Wrestle Rock, you remember Wrestle Rock? I do. Well, Scott and I rode our bikes into that building. Oh, okay. Right at the beginning of that match with Kurt Henning and uh Scott Hall. Okay. We I rode our that. bikes in there. Yeah. So yeah, we did it first. Right. <laughs> but anyway. So, you know, it was it was all right. And I wrote it into the uh what is that the old what was it the Omni in Atlanta? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I I was in there working against Tommy Rich and stuff, you know, years later after we were young and dumb together, we, I came in and I was the, you know, the bad guy chasing Tommy Rich for the title, you know. <laughs> I got the whip and whipped him and you know all kinds of good stuff so but yeah i used to ride the bike a lot and then up and when we were in montreal they started i don't know they started with the long riders and they spelled it l-o-n-g-r-y-d-e-r-s all right so that must know. be a, some sort of french thing here i'll show you <laughs> you got a thing yeah, I got a thing. 
You see the middle card? Oh yeah, yeah. That's oh okay. Because I know I recognize you that know. picture. It's uh the classic picture yeah. of you and your brother. You've got the white yeah. coat and he's got the black. And there's leather. Wild Bill. And there's yeah. another Wild Bill. Look at those sort yeah, of these, almost like these, those are pictures here? I took on my promotion for this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, but these here are th this one was from some people in Montreal that took pictures all the time, and they sent us big ones, you know, great big ones. Well, like the size of a big picture on the wall, and then I made I made business cards out of them because it you know it's just kind of different. Anyway, and anybody listening to the podcast, you can catch this on VOD on our Twitch channel, uh, yeah. and in about sixty days it'll be up on YouTube, so you can see that. Maybe I'll make a clip of that so people can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, here, 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 here. I'll show you something else. It's, it's show and tell on on the epic. Show Romans. and tell, Wild Bill. Show and tell. <laughs> This here, can you see that? Yeah, that's a giant poster. It's a giant picture. That's me. Oh, you've got two whips in that in, picture. Yeah, when I went into uh, Texas in about 1980 is when I started that Wild Bill gimmick, okay. right? And uh, I first went in just wearing, you know, tights and boots, pretty much like that. And then yeah. I got that leather. And I got this leather jacket, man, and, and, and the whips and the hat. Pretty soon I ended up, you know. So the gimmick just slowly it, grew. It, it wasn't all yeah. like a overnight sort of thing. No. Nice. It kind of grew slowly. And then once I went into the, once I went into the jeans and the, you know, the leggings, well, I never went back to tights and that right. kind of stuff. You know, it's yeah. funny. I was I was looking for um, pictures or clips or whatever for promotional just to, you know, let people know. And there is a huge, almost everybody who posts about you on Twitter, it's it's almost always a video or a clip of your scissor kick. And they're like, yeah, back when oh, they yeah. used to rip people's heads off. <laughs> almost every single, and every one, it just looks so brutal. And, uh, oh, and yeah. I laugh yeah. every single time. I'm like, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how did you how did yeah. you guys uh figure out your finishes back then was that just a you know just a whatever you came you up know, with or? i i that was just a move that you know to actually do that move is it's really relatively easy you're just doing a big boot and when you hit the ropes one step and you step and jump you know, you've got a lot of momentum behind you. You can get your foot up pretty high. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't hard. And after you did it once or twice, you know, and somebody says, well, what do you, what do you want to use as a finish? And I says, well, how about the big boot? Well, what's that? I says, well, I don't know, you know, at towards the end, whatever, you make a big comeback, go to shoot me in, I'll reverse it, I'll go for an elbow, you duck it hit the ropes, I'll hit the ropes, and I'll catch you with the big boot right in the side of the face, right in here. Okay. And so that's what it was. Yeah. And then, boom, you know, it always looked good. So It did. It did. That's that's how that happened. So I don't know. <coughs> Scott came back with the superplex. Do you remember that? Yeah. You don't remember that, do you? I don't remember when he, he came back, to... but I... I, I... I've well, he was, you know, using the superplex. Yeah, it was that might have been a little before my time. <laughs> he went to Japan early as a super destroyer, 
before I was a super destroyer right. and he was just a super destroyer. And he got that over there. I think so he saw somebody do it over there. And so he came back with that. He'd take you up on the thing and then suplex you off the second rope. And oh my God, that was like, oh, you know, hey. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else was doing it. So there you go. Right. And nowadays, Jesus Christ, they suplex you out of the rafters. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, that's how those things come about there. Did you learn anything from some of the some of the guys you were on the road with, people like Skandar Akbar or or maybe a Bill Watts or anything like that? Did you learn anything from any of those guys, or was it all just like right away at the beginning with your training? What do you mean, learn anything? Did was there learn... any, any like good advice they said? They're like you know, there's a lot of other oh. uh, uh, interviews and stuff where people are talking about things that they learned from those guys, or you know, just being on the road and listening to people, or you know, whatever the. Well, the big the, the the thing is that, and one one of the things I think probably wrong with the wrestling nowadays is you you're used to travel, and you know supposedly nobody knew it, but y'all, the guys they traveled together. It'd be one one day one guy would drive his car, and you know you 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 would ride in their car, and then the next day you'd drive, and you know what I mean. So you're riding with experienced guys when you're young you're riding because you don't know anybody and these guys are okay and they halfway like you so they bring you along and afterwards on the way home you're drinking beer and you know whatever and uh talking and yakking and you learn from them when they're talking they always you know they're talking about the match so they'll say hey i saw your match and you know you did this thing and it that looked good you should do that a little bit more you know and that kind of stuff yeah, they would just give you friendly advice, and then you could ask them questions and that kind of stuff. You know, the the biggest thing that you when you where you learn was what men you had to you were watch the matches, go stand in a corner right behind the curtain because you're always in some high school or something with a stage and just stand behind the curtain and watch the match, watch the other guys work. Because as you do, you'll start seeing, oh, oh no, no, oh, that didn't look good. I'm not going to do that. You know, they, yeah. you just start seeing stuff and you learn. And then you also, like, you always watch the match before you. Why? Because I'll be damned if you don't. You'll go out and have the same match. Why? Because you didn't watch the match. Right. You know, everybody, the, the matches, they go out and they like to do certain stuff or maybe, you know, if it's midgets or whatever, but. The, the the thing is that, you know, people go out there and they get, uh, you get a different feeling when you go into the ring. And sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes the crowd wants blood and guts and sometimes they want uh, tickles and tackles and laughter. Yeah. And if you don't know that, didn't see that from before, you may be out there doing the same thing they did, trying to do something and the crowd doesn't want it. So you have to watch to see what they've seen already. And you don't want to give them the same thing again. You know, so you ha you have to watch and go. Then you go out there and try to give them something different. Like if these guys were just out there and they were doing a lot of uh, high spots, tickles and tackles and boom, midi boom, midi boom, midi boom, you know, you might go out there and grab a headlock and sit down. Right? Yeah. And the, and the people are going, you know, they might start chanting like they did in Montreal. Boring, boring, boring. And the more they chanted, the louder it got, the more you just sat there. 
<laughs> You've got them. They're, they're chanting at you, for Christ's sake. Why are you going to move? Right. Yeah, then eventually you start doing some stuff. and But you don't have to do as much, kind of, because they saw a lot in one match, and then you come out, you can't, you know, what are you going to do? These guys did all, every high spot, you you know. You go into the ring, what are you going to do? Cut your head off? Uh, you know? Right. Uh, you, so, yeah, sometimes have to go the other direction and just sit there, grab a hold, and just do some reversals and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, but you learn from all of them, you know, you learn from Bill Watts, not the mischief show and don't be late because he'd fine you. Oh, you know, all right, big deal. And Watts finds people? Stuff. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was, uh, you know, yeah, you learn from everybody, you know, you always, you always learn from everybody. So you've got know. to be uh, pretty good friends with Michael Hayes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did Michael that friendship I, my, how did that how did you guys meet and how did that friendship come about? We met in Atlanta, Georgia when I first went there. That's the first okay. territory I went to. Well, Michael was in there. He was driving because uh, he was down from what I think he was up from Tennessee, something. And uh he was driving a, a green Dodge van, you know, and he had he had uh Terry Gordy with him. And then I think, I think buddy was there too. And, you know, we're about, we were the same age and uh, the same fucking bullshit, you know, running. Right. And we just, I just started traveling with them in that, in the van, you know, and then, so I'd go somewhere, they'd come behind me, they'd go someplace. And when, but when I go I mean by somewhere, I mean like you left Atlanta and you went to, you know, Kansas City. Well, right behind you might come the, them, and then maybe they would head to it to, into Louisiana, and I'd go into Louisiana. Just so we we're always kind of following each other around the country for a lot of years, and we we're always in the territories together. So we always we knew each other fairly well. Yeah, yeah. I still I don't I don't talk to Michael that much. Jimmy Garvin talks to Michael more than than I do. But I could, I text him and he texts me back. I text him, hey, happy Thanksgiving, you know, Merry yeah. Christmas, happy birthday, you know, that kind of shit. And how are you doing? He says, oh, I'm still here, you know. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't write him letters or have half right. an hour phone calls with him. But yeah, still in touch with him, yeah. Nice. Do you guys get to work mm -hmm. with each other at all? Or was it mostly because, you know, you were both either, you know. Oh, no, we worked against each other. In in Texas, the you know the uh, the Freebirds were kind of baby faces too. So we would be we've had some matches, and then we had there was a there was a Von Erichs, the Long Riders, and the Freebirds in a you know three way tag match that was pretty pretty good show <laughs> in uh, Texas once. And yeah, so we would work we were in the ring with them, not a lot, you know, because basically you know. They were heels and so were we. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was I was curious. You guys team up at all? No, uh, I, I, no. no. I mean, I'm not going to say no because as soon as I do, somebody somebody's going to pull it up. Say, not hey, to your hey, recollection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm quite sure I've been in a, in some match or somewhere with Akbar uh, doing something, you know, one man gang or whatever, you know, something against Michael and the Freebirds or. 
I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of different stuff out there over all those years. Do I do I remember remember one? No. Yeah. You know. How crazy so. were the WCW days? WCCW days. Was it pretty crazy down there when the Von Erichs were running and against the Freebirds and all that? How was that? Well, I don't know. What was it crazy? Uh, you know, it was it was running all the time. You know, you know, you're when I say running, yeah, you're running every day to a different show and uh, going here and there, and yeah, you were very busy uh most of the time uh yeah did you drink some beer on the way home and you know throw the beer bottles at the uh speeding signs or the 55 mile an hour signs and that kind of shit yeah we did all that kind of crazy ass shit but you know we didn't we weren't really crazy i I suppose (laughs) if you really knew the stories you might think yeah i think you were crazy (laughs) did you ever have to worry uh there's lots of stories about, you know, different territories, obviously, where people were, you know, sometimes they were afraid they were going to get stabbed or, you know, anything like that. Did you ever have to worry about that? Did you ever have to be concerned about riots or any of that kind of stuff in your career from the, your shenanigans? Yeah, there's things there, you know, like Blackjack Mulligan. He told me because I drive him. And he told me stories of, you know, you got to watch the people. You got to watch them. And it's it's not the one yelling and screaming in your face. They're, they're not the one that's going to hurt you. It's not the guy that's in front of you thinking, I'm going to kick your ass. That's not the one that's going to get you. It's the one sitting there not saying a word is the one that's going to get you. Because they'll just, like he said, a little old lady pulled out a fucking shaving razor and cut him in the leg. Oh, wow. In some place, you know, cut him pretty good, right? Had to go get it stitched up and that kind of stuff. Well, the next day he's going, he's got a temperature and going crazy. And well, anyway, she used to fucking, she denutted the pigs at her farm with that fucking thing. And so, you know, oh, he, got a, he, got a, he got an infection from that cut. So, yeah, there was some crazy stuff, you know, and I don't know. Tommy Rich and I had a cage match up somewhere. I don't even know, but the, the crowd went crazy and, and was pulling the cage. And I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty, you know, crazy. Cause I think I, I think I got the whip and was whipping Tommy with, <laughs> with the whip, you know, but, you know, you could just have them, you know, you knock them down. And if you lay flat and I swing the whip and, you know, basically it comes across and it really hits the mat. It really doesn't, you're going to feel it, but you're not going to, it's not going to tear you open. It's not going to be so terrible. You can't stand it, but the crowd went nuts. You know? Yeah. They loved it for sure. So yeah. you had a, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a handful of matches online that you've done with, uh, with Andre. Were you, well, were it's you, only one. Was Well, maybe it's the same video that I've seen on from some different angle, but did, did you get along with him? Did he get along with you? Were you yeah, guys... Andre was Andre. Andre and Scott were friends. Okay, they played cribbage together. You know, that's how the old timers were. Like when I first started in the business, the old timers, Andre, guys a little bit older than me, a lot of it was card playing in the dressing rooms, right? They'd be you'd come and there they are. They'd be getting dressed, but they're playing cribbage, right? And uh, Andre played cribbage and Scott played cribbage. And so, yeah, Scott and Andre were friends. 
And then Frenchie Martin was uh, Andre's uh, driver. He was a little referee guy. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, I got along with Andre. Fine. Andre was very nice. He was never, you know, he had no reason to be mean. Yeah. Right. You know, so, yeah, he was always very nice. And uh, so when he came in to uh, Texas, I don't know, you know, I think he just, they wanted they didn't put people in the ring with him that couldn't work or couldn't, you know, keep up or do what he wanted to do. And because he'd be pissed, he doesn't right. want to go out there with a piece of junk. Right. And so, you know, Frank and I were pretty hot at the time and yeah, you know, and no, you know, I had met him before through Scott. And so that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. You work with Andre, go out there and, you know, kick his ass and he'll beat you in the end. <laughs> so basically that's what i tried to do but you know it didn't work but yeah right like i said i i I ran my head into his ass once you know (laughs) in in a match or not in a match no in a in the match he did this it was his gimmick he liked that he thought it was funny is there he would shoot you in to the ropes and then he would drop down right and you, you know, you step over and hit the other ropes. Well, what he did, he'd stand up and be bent way over, like he's standing up with his hands down, and he stands up. And when you come, you hit him right in the know, <laughs> His ass is right at your face, and so, well, it really wasn't at mine, but I mean, it was very close. Yeah, just yeah. Made it look, oh, you know, and you know, do the crazy shit, and then you get a little bit of heat on him, and and just go home. You know, it was easy. And when he says go home, Blackjack Milligan told me when I drove him once, he he worked against uh, Andre. And he said, I don't know what I was asking him, but he said, that guy, when he says, boss, let's go home, go home by, let's finish it and get out of here. He says, you do. Because Mulligan, who was, uh, I don't know, what was he, 6'8", 6'6"? Yeah, he was a, wasn't nah. a small guy either. No, he was 350 to 375, you know, Barry Windham's dad and all them guys, right? Yeah. Anyway, he said, he told me, he says, when he says go home, you go home because he would pick me up and throw me in the third row if he wanted to. And I thought, okay, he wins. (laughs) We talked earlier about the goon gimmick. You, did hockey and all that kind of stuff what um mm-hmm. did, did was this something that you pinched pitched to to new york or did they come to you how did that how did that gimmick come about well bruce pritchard you know you know bruce pritchard is i'm sure yeah um he was part of the talent or part of the office in those years i think it was 95 somewhere in there um and I was trying to get in there. That's one place I'd never been was into New York. You know, I'd been to everybody else, Montreal, I mean, uh, Mobile, Alabama, Louisiana, you know, Atlanta, all that down south and all that stuff, <clears throat> you know, but never into for Vince. And so he was there with Vince and I was just trying to get in. So I'd call him every once in a while and, you know, hey, hey you know, and he goes, well, you know, trying to to get in and and, and have him, you know, maybe come up with something and just stay in his ear and when they think of something maybe they'd think of you hey you know who would be good so that's what i was doing 
So one day I was I had him on the phone talking to him, and he goes, Well, you know, if we brought you in, what would you do? I mean, what's what what do you got? I mean, you know, what? And you know, because I knew Vince wouldn't wouldn't go for the wild bill thing because it wasn't his. Right. You know. And uh <clears throat> and I thought right there on the phone, I thought, well, you've had every other sport come in but you've never had a hockey player come in oh yeah a hockey player well what are you thinking and of course i'm sitting there not thinking at all i'm thinking uh, i have no fucking clue what do you mean what am i thinking right <laughs> so right there i go well you know i played hockey in college and i played hockey my whole life and if i can and you know in college hockey is uh three periods of 20 minutes a piece and you're out there, you know, and you do that out. And if I can skate for an hour and that shit and that material, I'll bet I can wrestle 20 minutes in that gear. And he goes, oh, what are you thinking? I says, well, you know, come out as a, as a wrestling guy and you could come out with the gloves and, you know, shin pads and the whole nine yards, you know, and, and just, you know, yak. And I come up with the idea of just, take skates, get a real pair of skates and take the, the toques as they're called the blades off. And, you know, you know, wrestling boots have that foam. Yeah. It's kind of a sole and just have that and stack it up and then have the, the guy that puts on <clears throat> trim it in so that when you're walking, it looks like a skate anyway. Yeah. And they, well, yeah. So, you know, he took off and he said, okay, I'll be back. I'll get back with you. And then eventually, I don't know, a few days or a week. I don't even remember how long they came back. And yeah, I said, Vince liked it. He wants to call you the goon. And I'm like, I'm in fine. Yeah. I don't care. You know, shit, let's go. So we went out there and I, you know, we did all this stuff and, you know, they bought the, the outfit that had pants, the shin pads, the socks, uh, the, the skates, had somebody do the skates, uh, the gloves, the jerseys, all of it, and went after it. So do you so think we that them come, with Vince coming up with the name The Goon, did you, do you, does that make you think that maybe he actually watched a little bit of hockey or knew a bit about hockey? Oh, yeah, he knows about hockey. He's out there on the, he's up northern New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Rangers. He knows. That. Yeah, he knows. Okay. He knows hockey. You know, that's where he got the goon character. I think, you know, is that, oh, you know, that's what, you know, the the goon on a hockey team is the guy that's going to beat up, beat you up in the corner. You know, he gets penalties. Yeah, they're not, they're not, the, they're not the skilled and, skater. They're the guy to get, get rid of the skilled player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, uh, that's what my, my thing was, you know, I beat up everybody, been kicked out of all the leagues. They're doing, you know, the hockey players, uh, you a bunch of. You know, and I going into wrestling. Well, so that's what I did. And uh, so I went out there and had about six, eight months run. And I just think it was one of those things. Wrong time, wrong place. Uh, they didn't know exactly what to do with this. Right. You know, it, it, got, it gets over because everybody I've ever talked to loves the goon. Right. But they didn't know how to push it or do anything with it you know what i mean yeah and so it just kind of it kind of just died faded away you know but then they'd call me back out there to go do uh you know 
battle royals and gimmick battle royals and just different stuff like that. So, you know, it worked out. I mean, didn't you get to come back a couple times as Bill, as Wild Bill, in New York as well? No. 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 No, Wild Bill did work down in Texas and, uh, you know, made a couple spot shows. Uh, one was way down in uh, South Texas. Oh, uh, Corpus Christi. Okay. I, I worked against, uh, remember Duke the Dumpster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I worked with him. He hit me in the head with a trash can and it bit me. You know how, you know, oh. aluminum. Yeah. When it crumples. Yeah. Well, it crumpled and bit my skull, so I had to go. When I came back, uh, they took me to the local hospital and they stitched it up, and on I went. Well, but that was, that was a wild bill thing. Yeah. What's that? I was going to say for those that are listening to the podcast, a lot of you know, a lot of our viewers or listeners might not know this, but uh, I might have mentioned a little bit ago. I've known you for what almost twenty years now. And yeah, you know, I spent. I got something. To, I got something to show you. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I've heard. You know, you've told plenty of little stories on the side. Maybe some of these you'll remember. Maybe they won't. But do you remember telling a story about meeting Mark Henry for the first time, and his mm-hmm. uh, his his first body slam? And would you be willing to tell that story? Yeah, Mark Henry. He was he was young. And just coming in when I was out there with the goon just coming in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before the before the matches, they get the ring up. And uh, some of the young guys, they go get in. And I had, I had really just gotten this gimmick. And so I got the shin pads on, wearing shin pads. And I got those skates on. And, uh, you know, so I go to the ring just to hit the ropes, see how they feel. And god they were easy it was just you know they weren't a problem at all and so i'm out there hitting the ropes doing stuff and mark henry's in the ring doing something and i don't know you know we're chit-chatting or just fiddle farting around in there and uh he asked me if i thought i could slam him (laughs) and i looked at him and i said can you jump on my shoulder he says, yeah, well, then I can slam you. Because if you think I can pick you up, huh? But, you know, I don't think anybody had ever showed him how to be slammed. So I, I think I showed him that when, you know, when people come, when I'm coming here, you slam me. And I'd go to him and just, you know, as I had shown him that when I go, you're not picking anything up. You know, of course, he could pick me up. Anything, right. Right? <laughs> yeah. he, I'm not saying he couldn't. But he realized that there's nothing to it. And so I said, when you come to me and I'm going down, I need you to step up and jump and get up on my shoulder, arch your back, boom, put your feet up in the back, head up, put your hands on my shoulder, boom. And then we'll hold for a second and then turn and boom. Okay. So we did. And Mark Henry. So I slammed slam. Yeah. You know, I, I've never, I've, I've never talked to him about that. I, you know, does he remember the story? I don't know how he remembers that. Right. But, you know, but that's what he wanted to be slammed. He'd never been slammed. And I said, well, if you can jump up on my shoulder, I can slam you. Do you think he was, 
you know, kind of a mark for you at the time or uh, because he grew up in Texas and he watched WCCW. So he had to know who you are and watched all your stuff growing up. It's 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 possible, but I really don't. I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to put words in his mouth, obviously, but he wasn't ta- he wasn't talking to me like Mark, okay. you know, like somebody all got got goo. I think he was more interested in getting in the ring and seeing how the ring was you know yeah and i don't mean that in a derogatory way i know a lot of a lot of guys marks you know die but I, as a as a fan you know he was a fan before coming yeah. into the business so i thought maybe yeah he, uh... but that's one of the things you always you learned you know you asked me before things that you learned whenever you go and you get in the ring you always go check that ring out if you can okay before your match yeah. before they get going take a look at it make sure it's put up right go get in it run around get a feel for it because then when you're traveling around to all these different territories and all these different little rings oh god you know you can be you can get in there and find a hole in in, in a piece of wood and they just you know they put carpet over in the cushion and think oh it'll be fine but if you step in that uh let's say when you got mark henry on your shoulder you know and you twist your knee and your ankle you know you can blow your knee so you always right. kind of went in there jumped around the ring and got a feel for how is this ring is it hard is it soft does it bounce a lot how are the ropes are they too tight real tight loose what yeah and they roll you know, get they a feel cable? for yeah you know so you, you you would do that and i think that's probably what he was doing and i was out there checking out goon boots and that kind of shit you know nice there was another one I vaguely remember, and maybe I'm memory, mem- rem- remembering this story a little bit different. Were you there for a buried alive match sitting underneath the uh, the yeah the thing? You want to t- talk about that at all? Because I you said that and that blew my mind that day that you told me that story. Yeah, and I think there were like four of us you told that story to. That was when uh, um, Undertaker. Versus, I don't even know who he was versus. I don't even know. All I know. people. Well, it was just, it was, it was one of, you know, the guy he was having the match with, whatever. But the deal was that uh, he got slammed and they threw him and went through the ring into a, a casket. Right. Mm-hmm. And then. They got pictures of him in the casket, and then they cut away. And when they cut away, we had to slide that casket out and bring another one had to go right in its spot. And then they come right back and, you know, the dirt has covered him and he was gone. And I I can't remember who he was wrestling. But, yeah, I had to sit underneath the ring all afternoon. Was it just you or are you down there or someone else? Oh, no, there was two or three of us under there. Okay. You know, because we all had to be able to pull one and push another one in. It had to be quick. You can't be, you know, screwing around. You can't get it halfway through and you can't get it out. You know that, (laughs) you know, because they're going to come back and take a shot of this. That's the idea. Yeah. And that's what they wanted was. Okay. So that's what we did. So yeah, we sat under there. I sat one, and we had a we had a video monitor under the under the ring, and so we watched a whole show sitting on our asses, laying on our asses underneath the ring. You know, uh, you ever yeah, have to worry yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, if yeah. what if the ring breaks while I'm underneath here? What if some well, you know, 
it it could and but i'm sure you know their rings were pretty solid yeah and you know if he wants one to break they'll break but if he doesn't if he didn't want it to break it wouldn't break you know so i want to go back so. to the we're talking, talking about wccw earlier and everybody's heard you know you've told the story a million times about about david von eric uh, so I'm not going to ask about that. People can go and watch all the other things. But what was your relationship like with that with that whole family? And and do you still keep up with uh, with family today? Because you know you had a lot of interaction with them throughout the years. So I figured I would yeah. ask. And have you seen any um, of the stuff that uh, is it is it Carrie Carrie's kids are doing? Well, I I don't. I see a little Kevin? bit of what his his daughter's doing, and I I I see what the boys are doing. You know. I don't really follow it, uh, but uh, yeah, Kevin. Uh, Kevin has called me. Just you know, I'll be sitting here and the phone rings, and I look and I go, "Kevin Von Eric," and I answer the phone. It's Kevin, and he's in. You know, he's out in Hawaii, and he just sitting there and doing something. And he says, "Yeah, came across your number. I just thought I'd call you and tell you, hey, God, you know, how you doing? Just yeah, because you know he remembers, you know." And so, yeah, I've talked to him. Uh, you know, he said, hey, you want to come to Hawaii? You're more than welcome. Come on. You know, we got, I bought land here. I got all kinds of, I think, you know, all the money he, I don't know how much money he got or whatever, but whatever he had, they went to Hawaii and bought land. And so yeah. that's where he lives now. And the boys have grown up there. And I've never met the two boys. I don't know them from Adam, you know, uh, but no, uh, everything was fine. I, you know, I guess one of the reasons that I was there for three years was that when I first got there, uh, I got along with David really well. Okay. And then, you know, Carrie coming along and Kevin was older. Right. And so I got along, I just got along with the boys, you know, they were kind of same goofball character, you know? Yeah. Same age and all that kind of shit. So yeah, we got along fine. And, uh, you know, Carrie, and David, and uh, you know, they just all, yeah, they all, it all spiraled away from them, you know. Yeah. It all started with, I, it was, well, it all started with the older brother, and I don't even know what the older brother's name was. There was a kid, there was a son before Kevin. And, uh, and I, I wouldn't say this is gospel, but the word was that um, when he was like two or three, uh, there was a big, there's a big storm. I don't know. This is what I was told. I have no idea really whether it's true or whatever, but there was a big storm. They had a lot of lightning and that kind of stuff. And after the storm, I don't know, the little, the little kid, the, he was out and he, he touched a metal, like a pole building and it was electrified from a wire and it shocked him and it knocked him down into a deep puddle. And he drowned in this puddle. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was, that's the beginning of it. Yeah. And then there, then there's Kevin and, you know, Kevin's Kevin and he's fine. Yeah. And then, you know, David, well, David was fine. They were all fine, you know, but David, David had his problems, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And died in Japan. We could go on with that story, but yeah. whatever, whatever the reasonings, he dies. Carrie kills himself. 
and that's another stupid thing from what I've all heard about it was it was yeah. ridiculous but and then you know and then uh Mike well Mike Mike got into I mean, don't need to go into the stories but Mike got into shit that uh kind of fucked him up and he went in for a shoulder operation and <clears throat> I forget what they call it he the operation uh because of drugs in his system or something it said i don't know i can't remember what they called it but he came out a little fucked up you know he, yeah. he wasn't the same kid <laughs> they almost lost him in the hospital and when they did get him back and out he was never the same you know he liked rock and roll and he was really good a, a guitar player and that kind of a thing and i think he was a guitar player he's in bands he liked being in a rock yeah. and roll band but of course Fritz wasn't having a rock and roll band, you know, he was going to be a wrestler. Yeah. yeah. So he got pushed to be a wrestler and, you know, I don't know, whatever. Eventually, uh, you know, they found him in, underneath a bush in one of the parks with, you know, OD'd. Yeah. Tragedy. So, you know, yeah. And then Chris, well, Chris was Chris. Chris was always small because he had, uh, Oh, lung deficiency or something. Anyway, you know, he was he was always very small, and that was always a problem for him. He was a little, you know. I worked with him in the ring, and he was all, I mean, he was all right, but he was just small. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess that affected him, and so yeah, he took his own life also. So I, but you know, I don't know. That's a there was all a lot of craziness. So you know. Is there anybody else from that territory you got along with that we should mention or talk about? Oh God, everybody in the place. Geez. Yeah. You know, anyone uh, you still talk with Bro Brody come and go, you know? Oh yeah. Brody. Bruiser Brody. I met Bruiser Brody in Kansas city just before that. And then I uh, went to Japan with him and then, and then he's coming into Texas. So I knew him there. Yeah. I ran with him. Brody was great. I'm trying to remember the, uh, well, there was a mask guy that uh, Gary used to bring in, Gary Hart. I can't remember his name. I've been hitting the head with chairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. That's all right. Who, uh, anyway, who do you think anyway. you, you, you had the best matches with? Well, the people you worked with, who did you, who did you oh. gel with the best and have some really good matches with? Shit, I don't know. Some people would say I never had a good match. <laughs> well, from your opinion, who did you who did you they really enjoy suck. working with? Well, Tommy Rich and I had you know because we were friends when we were and we were young. When I first went in, Tommy was uh, they pushed him to the world title match at he was like twenty years old or whatever, and we all the same age. And and Tommy and I, years later, when I came in as the heel, you know, so Tommy and I had good matches. Uh, Rick Martell, you know. Yeah. Uh geez, I don't know. I used to there's Is there anybody you wish you could have had a match with or could have worked with? Hmm. I mean, nothing that really comes to mind right off the tip of my tongue, like someone that I really, you know, wished I could have worked with, you know. Yeah. Or somebody from a different generation before or after you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, no, I don't know. I guess I don't know. I did work with Bachwinkle, I think, and yeah. I worked with uh, 
Larry the Axe Henning. <laughs> <laughs> Larry the Axe Henning. You know, he's he's an older gentleman when I'm he's at the end of his career, sort of. Yeah. And I'm maybe the beginning to middle of mine and I'm, I'm supposed we're supposed to go in the ring and you know wrestle and you know he says no you know start slow and taper off you know we don't gotta kill each other we don't gotta go fast we don't gotta start fast just you know we'll just go have a match hey but great you know you're the you're you you're the heel. You're the you're the guy with the ears. You know, I'm listening to you. Fine, sure. I don't, you know, whatever you want to do, really, right? Okay. And of course, you know, Wild Bill. You know, he's out there with this stupid hat on, sunglasses, a whip, and you know, the long coat and shit. And there he comes into the ring, and you know, hey, you know, <laughs> oh. He walks up and we kind of walk up to each other, like, yeah, and then, 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 you know, and I, I had my sunglasses on and he reached up and grabbed the sunglasses off my face and crinkled them up just like that. <laughs> and well, that was it, you know. <laughs> the fight's on and it was yeah. fucking, we went balls to wall after that. I mean, you know, <laughs> come on. You, you can't be a big tough guy with a bullwhip and a hat and I. I and then he wrinkles up your glasses and you don't fucking go bananas. Well, right. you have to go bananas. And off we went and inside now it had a great match and we laughed and giggled about it afterwards. Oh yeah, start slow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, but it was uh yeah. You know, it was uh, that kind of stuff. Nice. You know. Yeah. That's a great story. I love it. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one. No, no, yeah, that was Larry. I don't know. How I trying to think of crazy things that happen all right give me one moment bill we're going to get to our upcoming right. shows here and then we can uh we'll chit chat with all the live right, audience right, i'll ask ahead. some questions we can tell some we can tell some stories i know somebody wants to hear an embarrassing tale about me hopefully you don't have any uh december 27th is a special holiday episode video. that's embarrassing enough <laughs> hold on bill december 27th is a special holiday episode uh, for the podcast only form, it's going to feature more content for previous Q&A episodes and sessions that were once only seen live. So if you guys listen to the podcast, that's going to be next uh, the next episode, December 27th, because it is the holiday season. January 9th, we're going to be joined by Danny Efforts from Sovereignty Games. They're going to be joining us to talk about their entire library of digital games and how their company came to be and the future of the industry. That's going to be available on January 10th in podcast form. January 23rd, hip-hop singer Nerdy is going to be joining us. We're going to talk about his life influences on his music, his opening for Ludacris and other bands, as well as his nonprofit nonprofit organization, Justice Frontline Aid. That podcast is going to be available January 24th. So make sure to follow us, sign up, rate, review, all of that stuff. It helps us, and in turn, it helps all of our guests. So for those of you listening to the show on podcast form, thank you so much for listening to us at Epic Realms. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. Epic Realms.